When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Uh, and Jerry's over there, so it's the Stuff You Should Know. Our chi is flowing, baby. <laughs> chi or key? Yeah, there's a lot of different pronunciations that are going to happen today. Well, supposedly um, it's just the different spellings, the same pronunciation. Q-I yeah. and C-H-I are both cheap. Yeah. Um, Unless they're saying Kai for C-H-I, in which case it's something totally different. Yeah, that's, that would be the Greek letter, correct. Mm-hmm. Um, that means energy. Are we going to pronounce this feng shui? Uh, I usually say feng shui. Feng shui. But... Uh, it could go either way. I mean, it depends. <clears throat> if it's Mandarin that we're speaking, Chuck, yeah, we should say feng shui. Feng shui. Feng? I guess I usually say it in Mandarin, feng shui. Okay. If we're speaking in Cantonese, we would say feng shui. Okay. So I guess we're going to go with the Mandarin. All right. Great. Is that okay with you? Yeah. And uh, I even looked up, because I've always said Taoism. Um, yeah, that's right, right? Well, a lot of people say there's been some confusion, so I actually looked it up, and this author, Derek Lynn, had a nice little thing. Uh, the first, uh, the misconception, he says, is that the first letter in T-A-O, Tao, is an approximation of a Chinese sound that does not have an exact English equivalent. Oh, wow. Because apparently in England, I think they say Taoism. Okay. Uh, but he says that's actually not true. There is an equivalent, and it is a D. Uh, and he said the misconception was created by an author who had no understanding of Chinese, and that was spread around. He did not name the author, but apparently his he had high academic uh, standing. Jonathan Franzen. <laughs> and so he said it is Taoism, uh, if you're speaking in English, and that this author has uh, spread a mistruth that there is no real translation. Let's see. So, Taoism. Qi feng shui. Nice. There you go. That was the glossary <laughs> of this episode. Pretty much. So uh, well, let's talk about qi first, man. Okay. Because feng shui is the the practice of allowing qi to flow in the best possible way. And right. qi is uh, the Chinese concept of the energy that pervades and permeates the universe. That's right. Including us. And it uh, is linked to Taoism and goes all the way back to 6th century BC. And um, like you said, it's... Uh, it's supposedly something that can't even be described in language. Right. 
So um, why even try? But you did a pretty good job, I think. Thanks. For someone who uh, supposedly is not supposed to be able to do that. The thing is, well, I'm obviously a, an incredible person. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, um, this chi, this energy, uh-huh. can be blocked. It can fall out of balance. There's, it, it, It's not self-correcting necessarily. Sometimes it needs help. That's right. And so when we inhabit an area, build a home, a community, a palace, what have you, we need to build it in such a way that it's not going to block this chi or it's not going to um, throw things out of balance because we will yeah. be impacted negatively if it if that happens. That's right, because uh, in the East there is a long-held belief um, that the space we inhabit is not uh, just the space we live in, but we are actually connected to that uh, spiritually and with our energy and um, that the the way you lay out your home and the way uh, you build, like even where you place your home on your property yeah, and the way you align it with uh, the surrounding nature, that's actually a very important part of it, Right, um, that is feng shui, which is translated literally as wind and water. Pretty neat. Um, a lot of people in the West have jumped on this train since the 1980s. It's a very uh, popular thing to do. Um, often misguided attempts um, as far as traditional feng shui. Well, it's like a completely different school. Yeah, basically. Um, not no, basically, entirely, literally. yeah. But um, a lot of people in the West also will poo-poo this. And a lot of people in the East poo-poo it now. Mm-hmm. Apparently only about a third of people in modern China even believe it. Okay. Is a thing. Um well, Chairman Mao rooted it out during the Cultural Revolution. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is, it's not illegal to practice it. It is illegal, though, to start a business in China, uh, modern China, where you say that you're doing feng shui. Gotcha. Um, but they can't really, like, well, I guess they could outlaw the practice. Sure. <laughs> they outlaw lots of stuff. Yeah, from what I've been told. But, um, apparently the younger generation, it's even less than a third. It's just kind of going the way of the dodo. Gotcha. But, uh, hey, we picked up on it in California. And uh, ran with it. Yeah. You know? Especially in the 80s. Yeah, sure. Man, that was a super 80s thing. But a lot of people poo-poo it, though, as they do a lot of things in the East and saying this is just a bunch of superstitious gobbledygook. There is no such thing as an energy flowing through your house or your body that needs to be aligned. So we're not here to, uh, we're just going to explain it to you. Exactly. So just save your emails, people. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what's interesting about feng shui, initially... Is that not not just China, but also India lay claim to its origins? Actually, that's right. Um, and remember, I think you you did a pretty good job defining it. But we sh- it's, it bears saying again: Feng Shui is this practice of arranging your inhab your your abode, mm-hmm. your life, your workspace um, in a way that allows chi to flow freely. That's right. Okay, um, and. There was, there's evidence of, I think, back 3,000 years ago? No, sorry, 5,500 years ago. What? So about 3,500 BCE, yeah. there is evidence of what the Indians call Vastu Shastra, which is basically a translation of building science, which is that you should follow certain practices, use certain geometries to allow energy to flow so that you can prosper. And not be harmed negatively. Yeah, and uh, this has um, been seen many times. I read a great article in, uh, I think it was History Today, by a guy named Anthony Avini called "Bringing the Sky Down to Earth," 
uh, with basically the idea that many, many cities through history have been built with this concept in mind that the gods, uh, bringing the gods down to your city, uh, like, you know, he's a Stonehenge, uh, Beijing, Washington, D.C., uh, and, hmm, this place in Mexico that I will pronounce as Teotihuacan. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's right. I think it is. It's like a Mayan, ancient Mayan city. Uh-huh. And uh, they all have the same um, philosophy in mind, which is uh, apparently if you go to Beijing, it's very famous for its layout, as is D.C. You can stand in Tiananmen Square and you can draw a straight line uh, up the bell and drum towers straight through to the monument to the people's heroes, to the ma- uh, mausoleum of Mao Zedong uh, on a perfect north-south axis. Like everything is planned out and this is i'm not saying washington dc was uh necessarily feng shui feng shui and i know that you shouldn't use that as a verb right but i'm going to yeah it works but it's it's the idea like stonehenge that it's these cities are aligned cosmically somehow right with the stars in mind and it can be as simple as um the entrance to the dwelling or the city or the burial mound or temple or Stonehenge, whatever, yeah. is aligned so that the sun comes right up through it on the winter solstice or sure. something. That That is the basis of feng shui, and it does show up in other cultures across time. Yeah. One of the, one of the um, famous cities that was laid out according to um, this Indian version of it, uh, Vastu Shastra, is um, Angkor Wat. Oh, uh, really? In Cambodia. Yeah. A very famous temple. Those were built in, I think, the 13th century CE. So it's not evidence that the Indians were first, but there is evidence elsewhere that, that there were Indian cities and buildings planned out according to these. Yeah. And the idea was that a couple of thousand years later, some uh, Indian monks, Hindu monks, mm-hmm. made their way into maybe Tibet or Mongolia or China sure. and started spreading the Vastu Shastra. And that's when China got their hands on it and turned it into what we now recognize as feng shui. That's one interpretation of the origin of the whole thing. Yeah, and, and either way, what both of them are doing is looking and taking into account uh, the five elements, earth, water, fire, air, and space, and how they affect uh, your, your, your pad. And, um, or your city, like you said, or community or temple. Um, and some people might say, well, this is, you know, you might want to call it feng shui, but I'm just building a house and I think, uh, we've got this lovely mountain view and, uh, I like the sunrise to come up through my kitchen mm-hmm. because I like a bright kitchen. Right. So that's how I'm going to build my house. Mm-hmm. People, uh, that practice feng shui would say, brother, that's feng shui. They'd say TS, that's exactly. feng shui. And they say, no, it's just how I like to build my house. And they say, no, that's feng shui. Yeah, and then they fight. That's right. They leg wrestle <laughs> for domination. So uh, that, though, would be more Western feng shui, and we'll get into it. But basically, the the distinction between Western feng shui, 80s feng shui, <laughs> and classic feng shui yeah. um, is the amount of... <clears throat> scientific formulae put into it. Okay. The the amount of calculations, at least, that are put into it. The amount of thought. It's yeah. like Western feng shui is feng shui light, and not even L-I-G-H-T, like L-I-T-E, <laughs> like that kind of 80s light. 
Yeah, well, we might as well talk about the schools then. Uh, that's a great Wait, segue. Before we do, though, sorry to interrupt the segue because it was pretty good. Yeah. We should say that um, most historians now believe that it was actually China that came up with oh, feng really? shui first. And yeah. not India. Yeah. Just the evidence is is just earlier for the the idea that it originated with burials in China. Gotcha. Like you buried people a certain way and you built the burial grounds in a certain way. According to feng shui. So what you're saying is they leg wrestled. <laughs> they won the leg wrestle. Very good. Uh, so the different schools, um, there are a lot of variations, but the, the three main categories are um, the form school, which was uh, from southern China. And that is heavily based on the environment like we were talking about. Classic feng shui, uh, it's the oldest form, and that's when you're talking about – and back then it was practical because what they were trying to do was build a, a safe place – for your house to be. Right. Um, so maybe you uh, set your house up with a wind block uh, at the mountains uh, with that landscape that slopes or, you know, the water flowing down to you is super important. Right. So you may want to open your house up to that. Yeah. But it, it was it was practical, though. It, it, right, exactly. Um, and another practical way of um, figuring out where to put your house is found in the compass school. That one just... Forget about it with so me. That's that's the one I understand the most. Really? This one makes the most sense to me. Yeah, because it's math, and you're like uh, weird like that. Well, <laughs> a little, maybe a little bit. But basically, what this says is, it, it's kind of like the form school, where you're looking for different features of the landscape to to most benefit where to build your house. Sure. But this is this is using that same kind of thought process, but aligning it with magnetism. And the stars, too, right? Right. Well, you're using the stars to determine magnetism, like which way is north and south and that kind of thing. Sure. But it does combine some math, Chinese astrology, and then feng shui uh, together. Yeah. And you get what's called the compass school, which is also very frequently known as traditional feng shui. And it, it includes a lot of detailed research to figure out exactly what you're supposed to do, where your house is supposed to be facing. If it is facing a certain way, what you can do to kind of correct it. Yeah. There's just a ton of thought and calculation put into what we'll learn later is called a Bagua map. Yeah. So that's that's mostly the traditional school is the compass school, and it's based on the idea that magnetism dictates which way your whole jam should be facing and, and oriented. Okay. And I think to the north is is the right way. That's the right way? Yeah. Uh, where, as far as your entryway? Yes. Okay. Uh, and then we have um, what the Westerners have latched on to, um, the Black Hat Sect. Uh, or the, Doesn't that sound ominous? <laughs> it does. Or the Black Sect Esoteric Buddhism Feng Shui, which was um, founded by Professor Thomas Lin Yun, who was uh, known um, and believed to be an enlightened man. And um, he basically came to the West and, and founded this sect of feng shui, and it blew up. And um, Westerners love this one because it's the one that most easily translates to an HGTV show. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, like put this plant there, put a fountain there, put your door here, and paint it this color. Right. And and you're going to be wealthy and successful. Yeah. Don't put uh, this there. Don't put that there. It's It's a lot of object placement. So it's easy for us dummies over here to understand. It's basically interior design. Pretty much. So we'll talk a little more about the distinction and then what some of the commonalities they have are uh, right after this. 
All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. So, Chuck, the black hat school, it's hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, why would you call it that? I don't know. I'm sure there was a great reason. I couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, what I found instead is that most people call it Western feng shui sure and a lot of feng shui practitioners poo poo western they're like this this is some like perversion of uh, an interpretation of feng shui yeah it's it's americanized um and it's taught by people who don't even necessarily aren't feng shui masters even they'll right. just if they they can set up a website and say, pay me uh, $1,000, I'll come and tell you where to put your plants. Exactly. But Thomas Lin Yun and his followers say, no, we hit we hit the basics. Like, yeah, definitely. Traditional feng shui is yeah. uh, very detailed, very um, mathematically oriented. But we're still getting the same point across and coming to the same conclusions in just an easier corner-cutting way. That's right. Why go to all the trouble if you can get the same results? What's more Western than that? <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, so should we talk about um, the um, the five elements a little bit, I guess? Yes. Um, like I said, there is earth, fire, metal, water, and wood. And these are the phases through which the energy or the chi or the key moves. And um, I think this article said it very well. It's like a sort of a game of rock, paper, scissors. Mm -hmm. If you look at a creative or productive um, way in which these elements can interact – uh, you have wood producing fire. Right. Obvi. Makes sense. Uh, fire produces earth, obvi, as in ash. Sure. Uh, earth produces metal. Um, metal produces water. Water produces wood. Metal producing water, don't get that one. Mm. All the rest of them, like, yeah, made sense. My refrigerator's metal and it has a water dispenser in the there door. There you have it. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. Uh, and then you have the destructive. This is when the, it's bad chi. And if you look at the little illustration on how stuff works, on the on the first one you have this great circle of arrows, and it's just lovely. And this other one has a a nasty bunch of arrows just laying all over one another, 
and it's just a big mess. Yeah, like um, wood burdens earth. Yeah. Nobody wants that. Water no. douses fire. That's a clear one. Sure. Um, metal chops wood. Yes, it does. Yeah, it does. Uh, there's, there's, uh, so the, the interaction between these elements in your house or the way you arrange your house mm-hmm. will determine whether these phases of chi are destructive or productive yeah. in their interactions together. Sure. And if you have too much of one thing, you need to balance it out with something else yeah. productively. Exactly. Uh, the other two for destructive uh, are fire melts metal and earth blocks water like a dam. You don't want a dam. You want that water flowing, baby. Right. You know? You forgot Hulk smash. <laughs> Was that the other one? Yeah. The final one? Hulk um, smash all. And then uh, the yin yang. We can't go any further without mentioning that. No. It's a, basically a, a really clever conception of chi. Yeah. The opposite states of chi, light and dark. Night and day, young and old, man, woman. Sure, and there, there's actually a way that it's supposed to be properly represented. The white is supposed to be on top because the white represents, in part, heat, and the idea is that heat rises. But they're they're both constantly in motion. But if you ever see a yin and yang symbol displayed, though the lighter one should be on top. That's right, and uh, not only heat for the white, but uh, masculinity and spirit. And hardness and activity. Uh, and that's yang, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We didn't point that out. And it's not yin yang, by the way. No. We we. I used to say it that way. I think everybody did it. Sure. At some point. Yeah. When you, yeah. I quit in my early forties. <laughs> um, it's the, it's yin and yang. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the yin uh, is femininity. Uh, femininity, matter, uh, nighttime, coldness, softness, passivity. And as long as you want those things balanced and the way they just fit together in that little circle, man, it's just like it's pleasing to the eye. And I think that's kind of says it all, you know, right. It just looks nice. It's not jagged. It's like it's like uh, two people just cuddling up. Sure. You know, <laughs> in the form of a tattoo you wish you hadn't gotten. <laughs> that's right. With uh, some maybe Chinese characters that you don't know what they mean <laughs> any longer. Uh, they are. um well, I guess we're at the Bagua, right? Yeah, so... This made sense to me. Right. Um, remember, what we're dealing with here is chi. Chi mm-hmm. flows through the five elements. Yep. And you deal with the five elements in your house. To figure out where in your house you need a little more of one element than another, you have to construct a Bagua map. Yeah, like this is where the rubber meets the road. We've been talking in esoteric terms. Mm-hmm. But if you're like, great, dude's... What does this mean for my freaking living room? Right. This is what it means for your freaking living room. Yeah, and the Bagua map is based on boxes, squares. They're the basic units of um, of uh, feng shui. Yeah, nine squares, three by three. Right. Uh, and you take those squares and somehow, this is really clever too, mm-hmm. but even though there's nine squares, you can take them and turn them into a hexagon. If you take the center square and convert that into, well, a center, and then the eight boxes around it become eight sides of a hexagon if you shave off a little here or there. Yes. And all of a sudden what you have are is a bagua. Yeah, and they can represent color uh, as well as um, these elements, as well as for the actual map that you're going to use um, for laying out your home, um, aspects of your uh, life, like, you know, 
career and wealth and uh, prosperity and love and marriage and things like that. Right. So there's multiple meanings, and it also is for if you've seen the TV show Lost, they totally ripped it off with the Dharma Collective mm-hmm. symbol. Mm-hmm. It is just that is nothing more than the the Bagua grid with the yin yang in the center. Right. Um, and the yin and yang is frequently represented in the center. Yeah, it's yellow, correct? Yep, yellow is the center of the Bagua map, which is actually the center of this nine-squared box called the Loshu Square. Yeah. Um, and in each of the different boxes, there is a static representation. So this is, this is what you need to know about the Bagua map. It is a hexagon that the placement is always the same. What you do is you take your Bagua map and you orient it a certain way mm-hmm. over your house, over your your actual house or the room in your house or something like that. Yeah. And that's what changes. So if you look at the Bagua square, the yellow is always center and then black, which represents water and career, mm-hmm. um, is always at the bottom. Okay? Yeah. Uh, A.K.A. supposed to be the entrance to that room or your home. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not necessarily always at the bottom. It's always at the entrance. Well, you, you place the bottom at the entrance. So if I were to walk into my house, you can either visualize it or you can literally draw this uh, square. You want the bottom, which is uh, bottom center is career or water. Bottom right is uh, helpful people and travel. Bottom left is knowledge and self-cultivation. You just want to find out where your front door is. In my case... Mine is pretty much in the center of my home, uh, which would be career. But it could fall, if your door is on your left, it would fall under knowledge and self-cultivation. So it's it's not like you move the map over to, to, to help yourself out. Like, where your door is is where it is. You can move it if you want. Yeah, you could move your door. But basically, the map is just supposed to be static. Okay. So, and it's static, like you said, it's oriented um, with the black... On the entrance, right? No matter where the entrance is, the black is on the on uh, the black is there. Yes. So uh, when you orient your your black box onto your entrance, what you're doing then is using your Bagua map to show you how you need to change your house in order to maximize the flow of chi through it. Yeah, it's basically. And by the way, you shouldn't supposedly use any additions built. You should do those separately. Okay. So if you if your living room has a big new addition to the left, you like you shouldn't even include that. So basically, you're, what you're doing is you're, you're dividing your space up into zones uh, according to this grid. And so if you were to look at my house uh, according to the Loshu Square, uh, my TV would be in the wealth and prosperity corner, which is probably not good. You're gonna make money on TV. Well, that didn't exactly happen. <laughs> Uh, my couch is uh, the knowledge and self-cultivation. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, and then my sunroom would be helpful people and travel. I'm not sure what that means either. Uh, and in the center is my coffee table. The, if I wanted to have good chi, I'd have a yellow rug there. Yeah. But I don't. But you should. We have some nice tile squares of varying colors. Yes. <laughs> so you can do that, Chuck, for every room of your house, and you're supposed to. Yes. Like it, Like what you just said. Uh, well, now I know where I should put a yellow rug in my in my house. Like you would want to put that in the center of where the Bagua map falls over that room. That's right. Right. Um, you might also, so for example, um, if you just kind of had a dead space where the red box is, 
which is for fame and reputation. Yeah. And you want to foster that kind of thing. Oh man, there's a dead space there. <laughs> there would, um, you would put something like awards there, animal related items, maybe a stuffed jackalope head or something would be a good spot for that or a good thing for that spot. Yeah. Um, and so you basically what you're doing is using the Bagua map to say you're just cross-referencing spots of your house. And when you add these things and basically do interior decorating, um, you can maximize the flow of chi. Yeah. If you look at my master bedroom and bathroom, I have a bad feng shui because right in that top left corner, wealth and prosperity is my toilet. Oh, yeah. So supposedly you're flushing it all down the toilet. Yeah. They say you should not put your bathroom or your toilet specifically in your uh, wealth uh, grid. Right. Square. So what we've just described is what a Western practitioner would do. Yeah. Because, again, Western feng shui has a lot to do with interior decorating. And so, too, does, to an extent, um, traditional feng shui. But a traditional feng shui practitioner... Um, if they came to your house and they used the Bagua map over your house, they would, they, they wouldn't just align it to an entrance. Right. They would align it to a magnetic direction. I'm pretty sure it's north. Okay. I think, I think you're right. But the black, the black, um, square in the Bagua map. Yes. Would be oriented in that direction. So it wouldn't necessarily be facing your entrance. Right. And so there's this kind of, it reveals this really big distinction between Western feng shui and traditional feng shui. Whereas with Western feng shui, it's like, oh, we'll just line it up to the entrance and maybe you got a problem with your toilet flushing your, your fame away in your bathroom mm-hmm. or your money away in your bathroom. With traditional feng shui, there's no getting around it. It's once it lays over your house, mm-hmm. according to magnetic north. Right. What, it gives you a really clear picture of what you're going to have to do. And you may have to tear down your house and start over and rebuild facing the right way. Um, it could reveal a lot of real problems with your house. Um, and you may have to fill in more areas than others. Whereas right. if you're just orienting each room based on its entrance, like in Western feng shui, right. there's, um, you're not going to find quite as many problems and a lot more easy solutions. That makes sense. Also, with a traditional feng shui consultant who um, is is basically telling you what you need to do with your house, sure, they're going to do research on your house itself too. They're going to find out when it was built. Oh, really? When the roof was enclosed? That's oh, a big one too. Enclosed. Uh huh. And then they're going to also create this bagua map and a chart based on Chinese astrology as well, because time factors in a lot with traditional feng shui. Right. Way more than Western. Again, Western is very. Um, quick and to the point and just put some stuff here. Like uh, another example uh, that people criticize Western feng shui and kind of point like yeah, it's just basically um, interior design Yeah, is plaid is considered a form of the wood element. Oh, really? So if you have too much plaid, like a plaid couch in a room, Oof. you might then need to counter that with like a little fountain or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But where where did the idea that plaid was wood come from? It's definitely not traditional Chinese. No, I don't think so. No. I don't so, think they have plaid in China, do they? I don't think so. But that raises another thing, too. Another criticism of Western feng shui is that very frequently um, feng shui consultants in the West will be like, oh, you just need to add a foo dog. You know, like that kind of lion-looking dog. 
Yeah, or you need to add that. some. Chi- you've seen it a million times. Right? Is it like a little statue or something? Yeah. Okay. Or you need to add like um, some Chinese pottery right. or a dragon mural or something. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And traditional feng shui practitioners are like, yeah, art counts, but um, it doesn't have to be Chinese art. Right. <laughs> so if your consultant is selling you Chinese art, and from your brother who's and, a Chinese and saying, artist, like, this, right? This is essential. <laughs> yeah. That's not. That's not correct. With it's a red shui. flag. Yeah. All right. Well, we have some more. Um, uh, tips from uh, feng shui uh, experts that we'll get to right after this. So we're talking the Bagua grid. And like we said, it's all represented with the different colors. Those colors also correspond to numbers. Yeah. And they also correspond to uh, aspects of your life or chi. Sounds confusing. It kind of is. <laughs> yeah. Let's just say it. But here are some things that feng shui practitioners say will help unlock that chi. Um, black, which is your career. Uh, they say a, a fountain or a mirror might be a good thing to have there. Yeah. Uh, blue, which is skills and wisdom. Maybe that's where you put your computer workstation or your library. Okay. Yeah. Books. Yeah, books. Uh, green, uh, your family. Maybe that's where you want to put your family photos and you want to arrange them nicely too. Yeah, supposedly if you have your family photos all out of order in your green section, um, you're going to have misbehaving kids. Yeah, actually, that's the white zone. That's children. Oh, sorry. That's okay. But yeah, that's 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 what they say. If you want good kids, keep those photos nice. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure about that one. Uh, purple is your prosperity zone, and that's where you want to have, uh, it says healthy plants. Don't put your dying plants there. <laughs> right. uh, or sailing ships. I guess that's just um, sailing towards prosperity. I guess. Maybe don't don't put a painting of a sinking ship. No, that that's that is Western feng shui there. Yeah, sure. That you don't like that that whole kind of psychology would be detrimental to the health of the area. Yeah, why would you want that anyway, though? <laughs> like, who paints a sinking ship? <laughs> yeah, um, a depressed uh, sea captain probably. I guess would be my guess. <clears throat> uh, red is uh, fame and reputation. That's where you want to put your various awards. Um, so yeah, we got a couple of those. And your jackalope head. And your jackalope. Yeah, animal, animal, uh, related things. You're right. We should lay out our, uh, next studio, like, according to feng shui. Dude, we totally should. You know what I just noticed is red, supposedly, is what you want to put on the back of your chair to block bad chi. Yeah. And we've got a huge red foam thing in between us and Jerry. Oh, wow. So we got to get rid of that. Oh, I was going to say that explains why I've been able to put up with her chi for so long. <laughs> no, Jerry, she has the good flow our way, so we need to open that up. Okay. In our new place. Um, pink, uh, love and relationships, that's where you want to put maybe photos of your family or paired items. Again with the family photos. Yeah, I don't have that many family photos. Paired items, that's cute. That makes sense. Sure. Like bookends, yeah. salt and pepper shakers. Yeah. Uh what Boxing else? gloves. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's where you hang your boxing gloves. Yeah. 
Um, remember Joe Garden from The Onion with those giant boxing gloves he had? Yeah. Those were so much fun. Yeah. He had a thing where he just wanted to get as many people to pose with those as possible. Yeah. And take a swing at them. Uh, white, uh, what we already mentioned was children or creativity. That's where you might want to put some art, uh, or pictures of your little brats. Um, gray, uh, travel, um, or helpful people. Put your souvenirs from Disneyland there. And not just Disneyland, any trip you've taken. Sure. The Disney company wants you to just put Disney souvenirs there, though. Uh, in yellow, finally, health, um, pottery and stone objects will help unlock your chi there. Yeah. But speaking of Disney, Hong Kong Disneyland, they apparently had a feng shui expert consulted and, uh, they made some changes because of that consultation. Which yeah. Probably, that was probably a nice paying gig. The, uh, yeah. You know? That, that consultant was like, catching. <laughs> yeah. Or they were saying, aging. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, they opened on September 12th because they were told that was a lucky day according to the astrological chart their consultant drew up. Yep. They changed the entrance by 12 degrees. Obviously, it was a traditional, um, feng shui practitioner. Sure. Uh, and, uh, added some boulders. And apparently, one of the restaurants has a projection of a fire, which to me, that wouldn't count. But no. maybe it does. That's kind of lame. That seems pretty Western to me because one of the big bases of Western feng shui is psychology. If traditional feng shui is based on magnetism and uh, astrology, Western feng shui is based on psychology. And yeah. it is as simple as you don't put a painting of a sinking ship in the office of a business that's struggling to stay afloat Yeah, because the mind makes those kind of associations and it messes up your chi. That's right. Um, and a lot of this stuff as well, like we said, um, I think like you just mentioned, maybe like it just seems like common sense, um, like a, a horseshoe shaped building that opens up into a courtyard. Mm-hmm. It's going to feel good. It's pleasing. Um, feng shui practitioners say that's energy uh, or, hey, don't don't build a house on a dead end street um, because it blocks the chi. Uh, I had a friend who lived at a dead end street and it just felt like every time I went over there, I felt Closed in and sort of weird. Did he end up killing his whole family? No, he did not. He did move, though. Um, they were saved. <laughs> they were, thanks to him moving. <laughs> um, your office, a lot A lot of times these days, people will, um, their new offices, they will take this into account. Uh, some very famous people like Richard Branson and Donald Trump mm-hmm. have uh, enlisted the help of feng shui experts to design their offices because they want that chi and ergo money flowing. Yeah, you don't have to be a Richard Branson or a Donald Trump to no. arrange your office, whether it's a cubicle or what have you, um, so that you can maximize the flow of chi if you want to do a little messing around. Supposedly, the one, one, one thing that you want to ensure as much as possible is that you are facing the entrance to your office. Yes. Um, that way, the chi flows correctly toward you. Not toward your back. Yeah, you don't want the chi at your back. No, remember the southern China, um, the southern China feng shui. Yeah. Placement, the form school. Yeah. Um, like you, you put your, the entrance of your house is facing away from a hill, so the back of your house backs up to a hill. Yeah. So the chi flows correctly. Right. Same thing. You want the entrance to your office to be flowing toward you, facing it. If you if you can't do that, then you just put up a mirror. So you can reflect the chi toward you. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Like you said, you want to put something red on the back of your chair to block the chi from your back? Yeah, actually, now that I think about it, this isn't so bad in here because the chi- the red is to our side. It's coming in that door and bouncing off of that right on to us. So Jerry's really the one who's getting the short end of the chi stick here. Oh, really? Short, sure. end, short end of the chi stick. Um, what else can you do? You can put a, a, a fountain or a plant, um, obviously yeah. water and wood. Yeah. Uh, and they said even a picture of a waterfall in your cubicle could help your chi, your workplace chi. Again, there's a lot of disagreement about what works and what doesn't with traditional feng shui. It's like you you need to know where magnetic north is and you need to orient your building according to that. And whatever you do inside is almost irrelevant. Yeah, get rid of those fluorescent lights, though. They all agree on that. Sure. You don't have to know anything about chi to know that. Fluorescent lights are terrible for you. Agreed. You got anything else? No. uh, This is a pretty good overview, I think. Right? Sure. You feel good about it? I feel better than I expected. How's your chi? It's fine. Yeah? Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's it's not out of balance. It's not jumping for joy. It's just, it is <laughs> today. Gotcha. Uh, if you want to know more about chi or feng shui or any stuff like that, you can type those words in the search bar at How Stuff Works. And since I said that, it's time for listener mail. I'm going to call this uh, GED success story. Oh, that's good. Uh, hey, guys, got my GED way back in 1986 so I could attend college. Uh, back then, the University of Illinois at Chicago, go Flames, allowed you in as a freshman if you graduated high school and had a pulse. Uh, they culled the student body after the first year, though. You didn't perform, you're out. I did reasonably well there and ultimately ended up at the University of Cambridge in England. Got my Ph.D. in archaeology there and worked in the field for a few years. Um, nice. I am now a stay-at-home dad of three boys, five, three, and one, living in... Uh, Karlsruhe, Germany. Uh, one of the things I love most about the American education system is that a guy who dropped out of high school at 17 still had the opportunity to attend college and ultimately end up with a PhD from one of the greatest universities in the world. Uh, thanks for another great episode, guys. Been listening since 2008 and actually remember the before Chuck days. Whoa. Uh, and that is from Chris. So way to go, Chris. Way to go, Chris. That is a pretty awesome story. Yeah. GED, archaeologist, stay-at-home dad, 5-3-1. and one. Sounds like he's doing it right. Nice job, Chris. Uh, if you want to let us know about your personal success story, we love hearing about those. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code Stuff. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.
In Puerto Rico, there's adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the U.S. Get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico and that remind you why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island, it becomes a part of you. No passports required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. 